looking at a national emergency because we have a national emergency. Just read the papers. We have a crisis at the border of drugs, of human beings being trafficked all over the world. They're coming through. And we have a, an absolute crisis. At the center of the fight over the partial government shutdown is President Trump's demand for $5.6 billion in funding for his border wall, a figure Democrats refuse to even consider. But has the president found a loophole that not only gets him the money for his wall, but ends the shutdown too? This is TikTok. I'm David Myers. Joining me today to unwrap this plane is Bloomberg's White House reporter, Justin Sink. Thanks for joining us today, Justin. Hey, thanks for having me. So you're at the White House right now, right? I am, yeah. We're getting ready for uh, the president's speech later tonight. So let's break down the president's plan, because he has his mindset on this plan that, in theory, gets him the funding he needs. What are the details of this plan? Yeah, so what the president has sort of teased at is the idea that he's going to invoke a national emergency. And uh, he hasn't said exactly how it will work yet, and we know that it's still under deliberation. So there's people within the White House who are pushing against this idea because it would be a uh, kind of radical circumvention of the traditional role that the Congress plays in appropriating money. And then there's people in the White House who say, hey, Donald Trump really thinks that this wall is important. Um, Democrats have refused to negotiate with him. And this is his one sort of chance to, to force the issue. And sure, there might be legal challenges. Sure, it might shatter precedent. But this is his sort of uh, shot to get um, something that he's talked about, you know, ever since he began campaigning. So, that debate's still ongoing. We might get uh, more details about it tonight, uh, or it might be something that comes out over the next few days. But since the president has sort of hinted at it a few times, we did a dive into if he decides to exercise these emergency powers, where he might go get the money from. And I think that the most obvious solution for the president is probably from the Pentagon, from the Defense Department, mm -hmm. because they have the most amount of money. You know, you go to other departments and agencies within the federal government. And there's not a lot uh, for the president to sort of take from in the way that there, there might be at the Pentagon. So if you um, go through the, there was a law passed after Watergate that sort of explains how the president declares a national emergency. And uh, a big sort of part of that law is that you have to not only de declare it formally, but then go find instances in uh, existing law where Congress has sort of carved out special powers for times of national emergency. And as you might expect, that happens a lot when it has to do with the military. So, if, you know, a war is going on, the Defense Department needs a lot of flexibility to be able to, to, to respond to what's going on. And, and that's so where this money, the $5.6 billion that the president wants, that's the pie it will come from. Yeah, so uh, looking at what he could do, there's sort of two obvious things the Defense Department. One is to take money from what's called the military construction budget. And this is what um, Congress gives the Pentagon to build new bases, to build housing for soldiers and their families, to build schools on military bases, all these sorts of things. And uh, under the law, he can, uh, the, the Department of Defense and, and the Secretary of Defense can move in a time of national emergency money around there. But the sort of danger, of course, is that all of those things that I just mentioned are sort of essential things for the Defense Department, right? It, it becomes hard when you say, or politically more difficult when you say, hey, we're actually not going to build schools for 
you know, active duty soldiers' kids because we need to build the wall. So that's a trade-off that the president's going to have to consider. But because it is a sort of big pot, it's about $10.3 billion um, mm. in the next year, that could be one area where, where some of that wall funding comes out of. But then that, of that $10 billion that's appropriated for something else, Five million, five billion would go to the president for his wall. And but what happened to the five billion that that was money was supposed to be sent, spent on? Uh, so those projects would be put on hold or uh, maybe delayed until next year. And of course, Congress, I think, will be reluctant if they they are frustrated um, by the president sort of subverting their will to to give these big dollar amounts in the future. So there might be people in the Pentagon who are. Resistance, resistant to this plan. Um, there is one other sort of pot at the Defense Department that the president could could dip into, and that's uh, the budget for civil works projects. So, when you think of the Army Corps of Engineers and them going in and building levees and um, you know projects to help ships navigate through commercial waterways in the United States. Um, they've got a chunk of money as well, around seven billion dollars for this fiscal year. Um, but again, it's it's sort of a balancing act, right? You can steal yeah. out of that pot if you are the president and you've got these emergency powers, but you risk, you know, obviously there's a lot of attention on the Army Corps of Engineers' efforts during hurricanes when cities are sort of battered by high floodwaters. And uh, the president's going to have to make the political argument that, that these projects are more important, or the wall is more important than these these projects. The presidential powers that uh, the president has to do justice, have they been used before? So uh, they have been uh, employed kind of dozens of times, but normally in sort of instances that we would all agree are national emergencies. So President Bush, for instance, uh, called a national emergency after 9-11. A national emergency was called after the Iran Iran hostage crisis. So the, we we have examples in the past of the president calling a national emergency. What we haven't seen is this kind of specific application of emergency powers before. So we talked to people like Jay Johnson, who was the mm-hmm. general counsel of the Defense Department uh, under President Obama, and then became the Secretary of Homeland Security. And he said these sorts of powers, that you know, this possibility were envisioned and have been used previously for something like building a military base overseas during a conflict um, or, you know, building something that would help protect American troops in the sort of classic context that you would consider uh, Defense Department spending and and these sorts of appropriations. So this really is kind of an unprecedented interpretation of the law, and and that's going to open up the, the president and the White House to certainly political and uh, almost definitely legal challenges as they try to implement this. And let's talk about those legal challenges because it will cut Congress right out of the process. So is it going to be right off the bat the Democrats who challenge this? I think so. I mean, they've uh, the House Democrats have already said that they, they're planning to mount a legal challenge. It's something that uh, almost certainly is going to be taken up by a federal judge if the president presses forward with this. Now, the White House says they've been consulting with the Office of Management Budget, with their uh, White House counsel, and that anything the president does will be legal. Obviously, I think this is something that, that courts and perhaps even the Supreme Court are going to decide. And there's instances of the past uh, where the Supreme Court has sort of reined in presidents who have sought to use national emergencies to uh, to kind of get new and unprecedented mm-hmm. powers. 
So during the Korean War, President Truman sought to nationalize the steel industry because he wanted a constant flow of steel to the, the battlefield. And the Supreme Court came in and said, this is outside your ability uh, as president to invoke national a national emergency. This is kind of beyond the scope. And so that's a precedent that I think a lot of people are looking at uh, when trying to trying to kind of see how federal courts and maybe eventually the Supreme Court would rule on something like what, what President Trump is proposing. So while this process plays out, and as you're detailing, it will be a long process, what happens to the partial shutdown that we're stuck in? Yeah, so that, that's also a kind of an open question. I would imagine that if President Trump does decide to pursue this strategy, that it would be paired with him accepting um, the sort of spending bills that, that House Democrats have passed since they got into Congress. And so th- this might be sort of an elegant or interesting way for the president to cave and accept a spending bill and reopen the government without um, uh, without sort of getting that, that dedicated border, border wall funding that he's insisted on. He can say, okay, uh, it's been clear in these negotiations that Democrats aren't going to give this to me, so this is the way I'm going to try it. We'll let the courts uh, decide, and in the meantime, we'll open it for federal workers. And what about those federal workers? When they do go back to work, the ones that were furloughed or the ones that didn't get paid at all, do any of them receive back pay? So traditionally, what Congress has done is when they pass appropriations bills to reopen the government, they will pay. They will you know, work out a system that that provides back pay for both the workers who have been uh, showing up at the office, but also those who have been told to stay home. The catch is that a lot of people uh, have jobs that are relying on the federal government or on federal departments, but aren't actually paid by the government. So think about contractors who come in and you know, pick up the trash in a, a federal building or um, custodians or the the people who work in the cafeterias there and people who work in, in nearby industries. I mean, here in Washington, uh, I've heard from cab drivers that they're getting far fewer fares than they would normally mm-hmm. because nobody is going to work and nobody is at the museums. And so there are a lot of residual effects that are, are probably going to m- make kind of a, a longer term impact on the economy. Is there a chance that this plan gets announced and then things don't really unfold. Things never happen because we've seen this a few times when the president makes a claim, let's say about the end of birthright citizenship uh, with an executive order that we never saw. Just this week, John Bolton is walking back the president's plans to withdraw from Syria. So is this going to happen if it's laid out? Yeah. So there's, there's obviously a chance that this is sort of a negotiating gambit by the White House so that they are threatening Democrats saying, you know, if you don't come to the table and kind of work out a solution to give us what uh, what we want, we're just going to go around you. So that's one possibility. Another is that they announce it, but it's sort of tied up in the courts for a long time and um, beyond the point at which Democrats can then insert language into subsequent spending bills and, and force another sort of legislative battle over this. And there's a third where the you know the president says that he wants to do it but doesn't actually end up implementing it. I would be surprised if he announces it if he doesn't kind of give things a shot, especially if it means that he's going to cave on the on the current shutdown. But uh, you know, <laughs> President Trump has surprised us before by a sort of taking radical uh, shifts and turns, and and the way Democrats respond is also I think going to really inform it. He's President Trump's really boxed himself into a corner by saying that he takes full responsibility for the shutdown. But but once the shutdown's over, 
that sort of political burden lifts and, and it goes back to a more neutral playing field where Democrats might feel more inclined to, to reach a, a broader immigration bargain with him. So is this then, in theory, the best case scenario for the president? The government opens back up. He technically but not conclusively gets the funding for his wall. And he goes into his likely 2020 reelection bid saying, hey, I'm building the wall. So is it a win, a win at the end of the day? Well, you know, I think obviously um, Democrats are going to make hay out of the fact that he's doing something that would uh, be potentially interpreted as, as unconstitutional, as an overreach. And this is language that... Republicans often used to bludgeon President Obama when he was seeking to sort of use the power of the pen, as he said, um, to to take executive actions without congressional approval. So there's that risk that it's a political liability. But at the same time, I think certainly the president and, and people at the White House are aware of the fact that this shutdown is becoming more and more of a political liability by the day, um, especially because federal workers are unlikely to get paid on Friday. If the, the shutdown continues, it'll be their first paycheck that they kind of miss, and that's going to be a big sort of moment. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think uh, giving the president a sort of foil or, or boogeyman that allows him to blame you know, federal judges that are holding up his efforts to build the wall rather than conceding that he was unable to negotiate one uh, would probably benefit him politically headed into 2020. Justin, thank you very much for joining us today. Thanks so much for having me. Make sure to follow Justin and his reporting on Twitter. He's at Justin Sink. That's the TikTok for today. Thanks for listening, and please head on over to iTunes and let us know what you think. I'm David Myers. You can follow me on Twitter at David F. Myers, and you get all your updates 24-7 at TikTok.